Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. You know, I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer, but our... Do you hate that, Deb? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. But uh, our world's pretty broken, isn't it? As you look around right now, our world is pretty broken. Uh, we see many um, conflicts going on. And usually in Australia, we would be able to look outward and usually the conflict is out there somewhere. But in recent weeks, it feels like there's been a bit of conflict in here as well. And, and it looks like, you know, that, that, that there's all these things going on all the time. It depends on what the news cycle is feeding us. For the longest time, it was Russia and the Ukraine, and, and now it's Palestine and Israel. But Russia and the Ukraine, you know, that's... Um, we were in Poland a couple of years ago for church planting, and, and the guy who was our guide there actually was telling us that if you speak Russian and listen to the Russian radio in Poland, they're constantly just saying, we don't recognise the treaties after World War II. This is still our land. And, and, and for some people, it's still their intention for that to be their land, uh, regardless of world borders or recognised borders. Obviously, Palestine and Israel goes right back to biblical times and there's all this conflict that's going on everywhere. Um, and there were places even that we don't know about because for some reason it's not seem, doesn't seem popular in our news cycles. But it's everywhere. It's everywhere. We need reconciliation. But today is not a political commentary or a social justice plug. That's not what we're talking about today. I don't want to talk about the need for peace in our world today. I think you get that. I certainly get that. I want to talk today about the conflict within. I don't know if any of you feel this, but I'm not surprised when I look around and see conflict without. I'm not surprised when I look across the world and see conflict without because I feel like the world is just me multiplied multiple times over. And in me, I I desire peace in me. I want to be a person of peace. I want to be a peacemaker, even beyond a peacekeeper. I want to be someone who makes peace. I want to be someone that, like the Bible says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on me, I want to live at peace with everyone. And you're probably the same. Is anyone the same? You're like, yeah, I definitely want peace. Where I desire most peace, like peace the most, is in my extended family. I really want there to be peace in our big family. When there's not, I feel it. I also desire peace in this family. I I call this my church family and I want there to be peace here. And when there's not, I feel it. But where I feel it most is at home. If there's not peace in my home, then I feel that keenly. Where I feel it most frequently is when I lack peace in my heart. That's where I feel it the most frequently. My hopes, my dreams, my desires, they don't always correlate. They sometimes conflict. And and so this war within occurs. I need reconciliation in me. And the Bible puts it like this in James 4 verse 1. It says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Now that that word passions, in your Bible it might say desires, uh, it, it actually is the root word hedone, which we get the word hedonistic from, which means that we're just self-seeking, just after our own desires. And, and who knows that the inherent question in every change, whether articulated or not, is how does this change affect me? We always think, am I the winner or the loser in this proposed change? Do I come out on top or do I come out on bottom? Am I advantaged or disadvantaged by this? That is the inherent question that we ask in every change. And we want to know that actually 
the way that I want things to be, is that how it's going to be? Or do I need to give up on the way I want things to be? That is happening around us, but it is also happening within us. So this scripture continues. It says, you desire and do not have, so you murder. I'll be like, easy, bruv. (laughs) I don't murder. But yours might be, you desire and you do not have, so you pull back. You desire and you do not have. So when your interest rates go up on your $200,000 mortgage, you're like, ooh. But when you see the interest rates go up on someone with a $2 million mortgage, you're like, oh, that must be really hard for you. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And you desire and you do not have, so you actually take pleasure in someone else's pain. Or you desire what someone has and you do not have. And so when they go up two dress sizes, you're like, oh, that's a shame. <laughs> or you desire and you do not have. And so you're okay if, if, if something goes wrong in their life because they've got something that you want. And, and so that's okay. I don't know if I've got any friends. Uh, but um, you covet, it says, and you cannot obtain. Covet simply means that they have something that you want. You covet and you cannot obtain. It says, so you fight and quarrel. And your fighting and quarrelling might not be external. It might be something that goes on inside. It might be like the, the green beast that comes out inside of like, oh, I want what they have. You covet and cannot obtain. So you withdraw and you put distance between yourself and that person. You covet and you cannot obtain. So you become the victim in the situation and life isn't fair. Or you covet and you cannot obtain. So you spread a few words about how that person isn't who you think they are. These kind of ugly things come out when we covet and cannot obtain. Our passions are at war within us. We need reconciliation. We need this reconciliation. This is a tale as old as time, this desire for what we do not have. In the humanity origin story for Christians and Jews, there was a man and a woman, Adam and Eve, and they were told, get about multiplying, which is a good instruction for a man and a woman. <laughs> I, I don't get it either. Um, <laughs> And so they, they, they are told to do that and to, that they've got dominion over the whole earth. They're told to fill it. And, and yet they're told, just, just stay away from this one tree because while you think it might be good for you, it's actually not good for you. Stay away from it. But this is not only the human origin story, this is the sin origin story. Sin is not a word that we go to much these days, but sin simply means I reject what God wants for my life and I go my own way. We might reject what God wants for our life even unknowingly. We're not aware, but we choose to go our own way instead. And so the temptation manifests itself like this in Genesis 3. It says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. They desired what they did not have. They coveted what they could not obtain. So they took it and they ate it. Here's the thing that might be true of your life and is certainly true of mine. When I'm after something and I really want it and I think it will make me happy, I don't get it and then all of a sudden everything's good for the rest of my life. I get it and then I realise what else I don't have. And this is What happened? They didn't get and then all of a sudden everything was wonderful. They got and realised what they lacked. And in verse 7 it says, And the eyes of both were opened and they knew they were naked. And that was the start, the precedent of a perpetuation of us just always wanting stuff that we don't have and going after it and it being a war within. 
we get what we want and then we get dissatisfied again. We need reconciliation in here. Uh, that The verse we were reading before continues, you do not have because you do not ask. Sweet, let's just ask. If, we just, if this is the case, then let's just ask. But then he goes on, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. These same passions that he mentioned at the start are at war within us. They're a faulty framework for us to build our, our ask on. They're so changeable. What I want today might not be what I want tomorrow. When a bit more information comes to light, I no longer want that. I want this instead. And so we have these passions and it's not the way that we need to ask. So Merriam-Webster, if we need this reconciliation, Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines reconciliation as the act of reconciling. Thank you. (laughs) So then Merriam-Webster defines reconciling as to restore to friendship or harmony. To restore to friendship or harmony. So these desires that are at war within us, these things that we covet and cannot obtain, these things that we desire and do not have, there's an ability to restore them to harmony. The inner peace of our life to be restored to harmony. The friendship to be restored to harmony. And the peace process starts in a different place than at the UN. It starts in our hearts. Romans 5 verse 8 says this, But God demonstrated His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Again, we kind of might pull up at the sin word. But if that's just going my own way instead of God's, is anyone like me guilty of that? Yeah. If it is simply not doing the things that we should do and doing the things that we shouldn't do, is anyone else guilty of that in their life? Yeah, there's a few of us and a few people who are amazing and perfect. Go you. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. And then it says, since we have now been justified... By his blood, that means declared or made right in his sight, declared or made right in God's sight, not just forgiven, but made right in God's sight. It says, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Seeing we now trust in God, seeing we now trust in Jesus, we're made right with him. Verse 10, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? So the reconciliation that we need is, yes, across our globe, of course. And yes, of course, it's within, but it's also between us and God. That is where the reconciliation needs to start. It is not, not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, who, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So the reconciliation that we need is between us and God. You might think, bro, I was tracking with you. I could understand those passions and desires in my heart and how they make me fight and quarrel and how I get jealous and all those things. I could see all that and how that happens across the world that that person wants that person's land and that person wants that person's land. So I can see that, but it's a big leap to now suggest that that means I need reconciliation with God. Let me read to you from a band that will date myself. (laughs) Extreme, anyone know Extreme, the band? Four people, (laughs) late 80s band. This is their lyric. Life's ambition occupy my time. Priorities confuse the mind. Happiness one step behind. This inner peace I've got to find. There's a hole in my heart that can only be filled by you. 
People are like, oh, yeah, now I know who Extreme is. <laughs> There's a whole new ma- uh, Okay. Another band that also dates myself. 1987, this song was released by U2. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. <laughs> you want to sing it? Okay. <laughs> I still haven't found what I'm looking for. These bands, these lyricists write what they're feeling is that actually I've searched far and wide, but what I'm looking for, I haven't been able to find. And actually, there's this hole in my heart that I can only be filled by you. Uh, and, and I don't know who he was singing about, but I recognise it, that it's Jesus Christ in my life. I was searched far and wide looking for relationships to satisfy and instead the hole in my heart could only be filled by him. Lenny Kravitz. Anyone heard of him? <laughs> okay. He sings a song, Are You Gonna Go My Way? It's a simple appeal that Jesus has been asking, that the Father has been asking from the moment he created humans, are you going to go my way? I was born long ago. No, Dad's just shook his head at me. Okay, Romans 15, Romans 5 verse 15. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift, this gift of being made right with him through Jesus. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. So here's Adam and his sin that we perpetuate constantly brought death to many. There is death being flung around our world all the time. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ paid the price for our sin. Jesus Christ gave us the victory over death. You see, when we put our trust in Jesus, this is our portion. No guilt in life and no fear of death. No guilt in life and no fear of death. This is what He's done. And if you might think, well, Bron, why does a price need to be paid? Why should there be a price for sin? Well, I borrowed Lee Martin's car a while ago, his beautiful Volvo. And the kids were in the back and I was coming out of Shopping World and I'm not going to lie, I was distracted. And there was a car parked outside of West Hamworth Public there and I ploughed straight into it. I may or may not have had a phone in my hand, but we don't need to talk about that. Anyway, I ploughed straight into this car and I rang Lee and I was like fully, I didn't try to make excuses. I just immediately said, Lee, I am so sorry. I've pranged your car. I'm, I, I, I take full responsibility. And he said, oh, Bron, it wasn't the parked car's fault. And I was like, no, it wasn't. Um, it was my fault. But even though I took responsibility, even though I knew what I'd done, someone still had to pay for that car to be restored. Uh, and not long after that, I was coming around the corner here. In fact, I might have even been driving Lee's car because of this incident. But I was coming around the corner here in my van. I was rushing, I was distracted and I took out the corner of the building and gave my van GT stripes up the side. It was not the building's fault. <laughs> I know that will surprise you. It didn't be like, ah, <laughs> and jump out at me. It was my fault and I knew it was my fault, obviously, and I owned it, but someone still had to pay. Not long after that, I burnt my house down. I know, how am I even insurable? But um, I, I, it wasn't even my house. It was someone else's house. I am available for house sitting, but n- never mind. I left a candle burning and it burnt the house down. And the people whose house it was, they got insurance and then their insurance sued our insurance. And the insurance company said to me, I need you to sign something to say you are responsible for what's happened here. And so I had to sign the thing. I, Bronwyn Bunnell, did burn my house down by accident. Um, and, and, and if those insurance companies had not have paid, if I had not have been able to claim that insurance, I would be destitute 
once I paid for Lee's car, once I paid for the van, once I paid for the house and the contents, for the rest of my life, I would be destitute. But instead, I was able to claim the payment that someone else could make. And they were able to restore everything to new. And sin's price is death. We see it in our world. It is everywhere. We fling death around and someone has to pay for that death. And Jesus decided to pay the price. Jesus decided to pay the price so that we would no longer be destitute in our sin. He paid for the damage that sin had done. You might say, but Bron, there's still so much damage out there. Yeah, he's, he's bringing it all to a close. He's bringing it all to total restoration. But in the meantime, he wants to restore us one by one as we put our trust in him. He makes us right. He puts us into right standing, right relationship with him. And verse 16 says, And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. Us, Jesus. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, But even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of righteousness for all who will receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Us, Jesus. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. This one thing paid for all time. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. Grace upon grace. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Is this good news? And this is good news too in 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. No guilt in life, no fear of death. This is the power of Christ in me. Verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. This now is our message. Hey, God isn't counting your sins against you. No, He wants to reconcile with you. He wants to bring reconciliation and peace in your heart. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You might think, well, Bron, that's not the experience that I've had of Christians. They're not, they're counting my sins against me, let alone God counting my sins against me. You know, I want to apologise because that's not what Christians are meant to do. We're meant to be offering this reconciliation between you and God. We're meant to be telling you that God has become sin for us. Verse 21, God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For He says, in the time of my favour, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. So this is a thing for anyone who trusts in Jesus. You're not only saved, but you're also called. You live saved and called. 
you receive peace between you and God, but then you're a carrier of that peace to the world. You receive a promise for eternity, but now you're someone who extends that promise of eternity to others. You're someone who receives power from the Holy Spirit, but now you're someone who acts according to the fruits of the Spirit and in the power of the Holy Spirit to a dying world around you. You're someone who lives not only saved, but on purpose. You have a purpose in this life. And you might be a Christian today and think, oh, I don't know that I feel that purpose. Well, let's pray for that today. Finally, what I want to tell you is that throughout Psalms, the Bible says not to seek His hand, but to seek His face. Constantly in the Psalms, it says, seek His face, seek His face, seek His face. The problem is because we have passions that are at war within us, because we have desires that are self-seeking, we want to seek His hand. We want to say, God, what are you going to do for me? Lord, what, what, what can you make happen for me? What are you going to give to me? I seek your hand, God. God, give me what I want. God, do what I want you to do for me. But God says, seek my face. And as we seek His face, as we go, God, okay, I want you. I want right relationship with you. God, I want to be in your presence. I want to be in right standing with you. I want to be reconciled to you. Then that is the Christian life. How that works is simply, it says here in John 1.18, but to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. And today you might believe in God. Maybe you haven't before, but you feel something awake in you to believe in God. You're like, oh, no, I think there is a God. Those songs, I felt something. I think there is a God. But believing is not the only thing that needs to happen. We need to receive Him today. And when we receive Him, we receive peace between us and God, reconciliation, and we become carriers of that peace. We receive the promise of eternity and we become carriers of that promise. We receive power and we carry that power with us. We receive purpose and we carry that purpose might think today, oh, Brian, I just can't. I can't come at it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm here because my friends invited me and I love them, but I don't get this. I just feel like I can't. Let me tell you a story about a guy called Gary who has a massive dog who comes to Hopscotch. And I go to Hopscotch and I have my morning coffee and I read my Bible there. That's kind of my quiet time. And one time he came up to me and he said, Brian, what do you do here every morning? That's how he speaks. What do you do here every morning? I said, oh, Gary, um, this is my quiet time. He's like, what? I said, like, my devotion time. He's like, and I said, it's my time with God. And he went, oh. And then he said a word that you can't say in church or really anywhere if you're a Christian. (laughs) And I went, cool. And then we have little chats here and there. And he came up the other day again. And he said, Bron, what are you doing? And he knows what I'm doing. So he knows what he's going to hear. I said, Gary, I'm reading the Bible. Would you like to read with me? And he said, no. And I said, cool, what are you reading at the moment? And he said, I'm reading a book that's proof that God exists. I said, okay, how are you going with it? He said, nah, it's rubbish. I said, well, of course. Like, you can't have proof that God exists, otherwise you wouldn't need faith. And he went, hmm. (laughs) And wandered off with the big dog. (laughs) You see, what we want is that this immediate, like what Candy talked about, that this rush and this flood of emotion that proves to me that God is real. And sometimes we get that and at times, and when we give our lives to Christ, you might receive that. But in this world, Jesus said, you will have trouble. This conflict in us will continue until the day we go home, the, the day that we no longer fear death because we're going somewhere, we're, we've got a home that we go to. 
but, but in this world, we will have trouble. But Jesus says, I bring you my peace. And today He offers that peace. He offers that peace because every other religion tries to get things right with God or get better or become like God by working their way up. Whether through good works or through karma or through reincarnation or whatever it might be, paying indulgences, whatever it might be, that I've got to climb my way up to God. But Christianity says that we can never do that. And in fact, God came down to us in the person of Jesus Christ and that Jesus paid the price for our sin and that He made us right with God for all of us who had put our trust in Him. That is the difference. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.